Joshua chapter number 5 this morning. Oh, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your presence, Jesus. Stand with me for the reading of the word. Verse number one. And it came to pass when all of the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their hearts melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Verse number 2 says, At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make thee sharp knives, and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Everybody say second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came up out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. You all know what I'm talking about. Verse number 5 says, Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land, which the Lord swear unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and with honey. And their children whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp until they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. I want to speak with you for just a few moments on coming to Gilgal. Coming to Gilgal this morning in the house of God. God, we pray once again that you would anoint the word, anoint the hearer of the word, God. Let us leave from this place and be doers of the word, not just hearers, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the church said, amen. And amen. Amen. We're going we're gonna to examine actually the entirety of the chapter, chapter number five. But I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about the place called Gilgal. This is a name that many of us have heard over and over again probably, but very, very few of us recognize and understand really the meaning of Gilgal. If I were to talk to you more about a, a, a subject maybe like Bethel, we would maybe understand a little bit more about what Bethel represents. And uh, but, but today I want to talk to you about this place called Gilgal because each of us is coming and has come to this place at least once or twice in our life 
And many times, uh, I believe under, uh, even right now that some of us find ourselves in this place called Gilgal. Matter of fact, I believe that we as a body of believers are in a place right now called Gilgal. I believe that, I believe that 417 Life Church is in the place called Gilgal. And if, you, if, if we were going to say this text correctly tonight, uh, this, this that I've read in, um, in verse number 8, it says, I'm sorry, in verse number 9, it says, And the place is called Gilgal unto this day. It says, The place is called Gilgal unto this day. This is just a little bit of a lesson for you in, in Greek and Hebrew this morning. But this is the only scripture reference in the Bible where Gilgal is the name of a place. Gilgal is mentioned 39 times, I believe it is, in the scripture. And of all the times that is mentioned other than this in the scripture, there's a there's a, a, another word that would come in front of it that would be the equivalent to our American word, the. And so every other place in the scripture where Gilgal is referenced, it is actually referenced as the Gilgal. Okay? And so why that is significant is because this is the place called Gilgal, where Joshua is, but there were other places that were known as a Gilgal or the Gilgal. So what I'm, what I'm trying to illustrate to you tonight is though this was a place, a physical place in the world that they lived in just on the eastern banks of the Jordan River and Gilgal is a natural, a place in the natural, it is also a place where there is a the Gilgal and we can have a Gilgal in our life right where we are at. There are many places throughout scripture that says they came to the Gilgal. And even though the scripture in the King James references as, as, as Gilgal, let me give you an example. When Saul uh, was reaffirmed as king over av, having a victory over the Ammonites, uh, that, that it was at Gilgal, but that wasn't this Gilgal. It was at the Gilgal. It was at a place called the Gilgal. And what Gilgal is, is simply, if you were to read back in the fourth chapter, is, is simply the, the, the place means a, 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 a place of round rocks. That's what a Gilgal is, a place of round rocks. But what it really means is it's the place where, as you read in chapter number 4, the children of Israel, as they were being led by Joshua, not Moses anymore, Moses has died. And, and he, said, he said, tell the Levites to carry the Ark of the Covenant into the water of the Jordan. And I'm going to show the people that now I've put a mantle on you for leading my people. And so he took him out to the river Jordan. And as they walked in with the Ark of the Covenant, the Levites carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the waters began to part as they did in the Red Sea for Moses. The waters of the Jordan parted so that the people of God could cr cross on dry ground just as they did on the, when they came across from Israel. God was affirming who he had put in charge in the man Joshua. And what he did was he had the children of Israel take 12 stones and each one, one man of each tribe would take 12 stones from the dry riverbank in the place where he had caused them to cross over on dry ground and build on the other side a, an, an altar of round stones that were 12 stones that were all pitched together and they were, they were, they were to describe the unity of the 12 tribes as they came across into the promised land that God God had given to the people of God and they were to describe the place where God had 
given a new leader unto the people and they were they were to describe let me let me just talk to you a little bit about what a Gilgal is or what the Gilgal is or what Gilgal is in your life it, Gilgal is a staging and preparation place, okay? It's a place of establishment and it's a place of launching. It's a place of establishment. It's the place where when they came across with the 12 stones, they had established a place. They said, my God has brought us through finally into the place of promise that he promised us so many years ago. I need you all to stay with me. I'm setting the groundwork for something here. But it was the place of establishment. The Gilgal was the place of establishment where God was established what he was about to do in the lives of the Israelites. He had already said the thing. He had already prophesied the thing. Many of us in our lives today, we've been prophesied over and it's been said, but we haven't walked into the fruit of that place. And when we walk into the fruit of the place where we are going, and the reason I said the church is in the place called Gilgal is the first place that you walk into in your area of promise is the Gilgal. It's the place where God is going to meet you and establish you for what you are about to do, what you're about to embark on. And we as a church are going into a place right now that is called the Gilgal. It's our staging place for what God is about to do in our life. It's the place where God is going to bring unity as he did with the 12 stones and the 12 tribes of Israel and bring unity. But he didn't just bring unity. He said, I need you to unify and build an altar because if you're going to be unified, you need to pray together. You need to you need to sacrifice together. You need to be in one mind and one accord when you come together in my presence. And listen, Gilga, I need you to understand this. I'm going real fast this morning all of a sudden. But this is the place, this, this same Gilgal is the place that after a many, many of the victories that Joshua would have or even defeats, he would come back to this place called Gilgal. They didn't set up residency. You see, the next battle was that of Jericho. And, and we know the story. They went around and, and seven times on the seventh day and the walls came down. Amen. And I like how the Bible says that the walls were flat. A lot of people like to think of them as a heap of rubble. But no, the Bible says that they were flat. They walked across with no problems. Um, but they, they fought that battle of Jericho. But he didn't stay in Jericho. He turned around and went right back to Gilgal. Because Gilgal is the place that you will revisit over and over and over again. Because it's your staging place for what God is trying to do in your life and in your ministry and in your family. You will find yourself at the place called Gilgal. This is the place where God prepares you for the battle that's ahead. Church, we've got a battle that's ahead of us. We've got a battle that's getting ready to take place. Yes, we've got a promise. God's told us something that's coming in the future, but it doesn't mean that it comes without a cost. And I'm telling you right now that, uh, that, that Joshua had to establish things and God had to establish things at this launching area called Gilgal. God will do several things at Gilgal. One thing that he will do and the first thing that he will do is he will establish or reestablish you. If you're writing notes, I need you to write this down. He will reestablish you or establish you in the kingdom. In the economy of the kingdom, God will establish you 
at your Gilgal. You see, when you've got the promise of God on your life, I don't know if anybody else can relate to this or not, if I'm maybe the only one, but I, I had a promise of God. I had a prophecy over my life, but it, it hadn't come to fruition. So uh, when I would go up and talk to people uh, before God had promoted me into my area of promise, I'd go, hey, Brother Dennis, my name's, my name's Paul. And he'd say, well, that's great. I've never heard of you, nor do I know you. And, and, and people didn't understand what God had placed in my life. You see, inside of me, God had already spoken to my heart that I was going to preach the gospel and that I was going to prophesy the word of God and that when I spoke, it would be as the oracles of God coming forth. God said that to me, but that didn't mean anything to anybody else. As far as they were concerned, I was just that little Paul Sherrill's son who was a heathen when he was younger and, you know, and he did all these different things. And I'm telling you, this is why the Bible says that a prophet's not without honor except for in his homeland because when if I were to still go back home when they talk about brother Paul they will I guarantee you I was thinking about this I don't know why it wasn't tormenting me or anything but I was thinking about this I was thinking about I wonder how back home perceives what we're doing down here in Springfield and I can remember I could literally put a stereo stereotypical conversation in my mind because and brother Sean you can say this um, but as they talk about you at, at Hob where your home church is and they say what's Sean doing oh well I'm sure you know they think of Sean as Sean but they don't think of Sean who's got the promise of God that's brewing in his heart and God's trying to establish him at his place called Gilgal God's trying to bring forth and stage him but God said at Gilgal the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to establish you among your enemies you see, I'm not so worried about if my friends and family back home think of think of me as doing a great work down in Springfield. I, I, I have this stereotypical conversation in my mind that, oh yeah, I'm sure he's doing okay, but it's going to be they're like kind of like you know that bless his heart thing. You know when you when you start the sentence with bless his heart, there's nothing good that can come after that. It's like bless his heart, he's doing a good work down there in Springfield, and you know they have these low expectations for my life because they know the old me and they know all the history of me but they don't know the the promise or the prophecy of God in my life and and and, and many of many of you around here the people that are around you they don't understand the prophecy of God and the place that God uh, the, the the thing that God wants to establish in you they don't see it they don't know it they don't understand it they wouldn't recognize it if it hit them in the face but God said, when you reach your Gilgal, wherever your Gilgal is, I'll begin to establish you. What did he do? How do I know that? Because it says in the very first opening verses, it says it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites were on the side of the Jordan westward and the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters from the Jordan from before the children of Israel until they were passed over, that their hearts Melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. God, when He sets you up at Gilgal, is going to put a fear in your enemy. He's going to establish what He's called you to do. And right now, this church is in a Gilgal. Uh, Brother Sean, will you go find me a water out of the fridge, please? Thank you. Um, 
it, it, this church right now is at a point of Gilgal, and I'm telling you, I hear it so loud in the spiritual world around us that the that 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 God is putting in the ears of every tormenting spirit, and God is putting in the ears of all the principalities and powers that are ruling over Springfield. He's noising it abroad, and I'm speaking it out right now that He's noising it that there's something happening at 417 Life Church. There's something that's brewing. And I'm putting them in a place called Gilgal. And I'm getting ready to establish them. And listen, the assembly of God may not know about us. And all the bigger churches may not have ever heard our name. But God is establishing something in the spiritual world. The enemy is hearing our name. And he's be, the spirit is drying up inside of him. He is he's trembling with fear. I believe in my spirit this morning. That the enemy is trembling with fear over what's getting ready to happen in the spiritual world we are ruffling feathers in the spiritual world you better believe there may be an attack coming but I'm telling you God is establishing fear upon our enemies he's doing it as a church and he's doing it for you God is establishing who you are in the kingdom. I don't care who does or doesn't know your name in the natural. I'd rather that I would rather that God know my name and that even all of hell, when I wake up in the morning, they begin to shudder because they say Paul's woke up again. I don't care who in the natural knows my name, but I care that God is preparing and establishing me in the spiritual world. And he does it at Gilgal. God Well, not only do that, but the next thing he will do at Gilgal is he'll begin to put the ultimate test on your flesh at Gilgal. You see, God is jealous for glory. And God will always begin to show himself mighty on your behalf. And then he will refrain because he wants to test you. How many has ever seen God begin to do something mighty in your life and then it seemed like the just seemed like right after that that it was like the the heavens became brass i mean there was a move there was a thing and you know there god just did it and then all of a sudden it just stopped god was testing your flesh he was saying will you take the glory for this will you take the credit for this you see there's something that most people wouldn't catch in them first two in that first verse but it says that all the kings heard that the waters were dried up from the jordan from before the from before the children of Israel you see the kings knew that the lord had dried up the waters right the bible says it the lord had dried up the waters but then it goes on to say at the very last line the spirit was not in them anymore because of the children of Israel as if to say the children of Israel had something to do with it You see the fear that was struck in the hearts of the kings of the area was not a fear from God and what he had done but it was a fear of the people and God said no no that's not how this thing can work. So what with the very next statement that God makes to Joshua is this. He said, "I know that you're going to want to be puffed up in yourself for what I just did and it was all me and nothing to do with you." You see that's the problem with us is that as God begins to move and and we've seen it before and God God begins to move and and you know I see so much and I'm not trying to 
to, to, to throw anybody under the bus. But I see so much of this church and the history that I know of this church in this story because there was a people that had a promise and there was a people that began to see the promises of God in their life and they began to see the fruit of that promise. But God said, I'm not going to share it with anybody. I'm not going to share it with nobody. And he said, it was me that performed the work in your life. It was me and me alone. You have nothing to do with it. You're just an empty, willing vessel. And if you'll be a vessel, God will continue to use you. But if you try and take any of the glory for yourself, he's going to come through and say, I think I need to circumcise some stuff away. Because the very next thing he did was he looked at Joshua and he said, at that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, you see, God knew that he had just parted the waters, but that the Israelites were getting credit for it. And he said, at that time, the Lord said, make these sharp knives. I'm so glad he didn't say make dull knives. He said, make these sharp knives and circumcise the children of Israel again. You see, every time God does something good, our flesh tries to get involved. Every time, and the preacher's not without without fail on this. Every time God begins to do a good work in our lives, we try to somehow get a part of it. It's in our nature that we get some kind of glory, some kind of uh, some kind of affirmation, some kind of our name in lights or something. Uh, we try to get something out of it when God is saying, I need the glory reserved for myself. I've got to have the only, there's only room for one person to get glory. I need you to understand that. God is a jealous God. He's not going to share. You don't get to come up and, and scoot him over on his throne. He's, he and he alone sits there. And he won't share with anybody. And he's got to have that special place. And if he doesn't have it, he'll begin to cut away. He's got to have the special place. I reminded, we were talking about it this Thursday in our Bible study. and we uh, I'm sorry, this Wednesday in, in a young adult's Bible study. And we were reading from A.W. Tozer. And he was talking about Abraham had let Isaac into the special place of his heart that was only reserved for God. You see, when God told Abraham, told Abraham that you need to sacrifice Isaac, it was, yes, he had a, a prophetic message that was supposed to be put into place there. But what had happened was Abraham was a rich man. He had flocks and he had wives and and concubines and he had this and he had that and he had all the money and all the things he could need. But when he had a boy, all of a sudden that boy became the eye of his, uh, his, the apple of his eye, the point of his affection. And he found his place in the heart of Abraham that was reserved for God. And God said, nothing can live there. God has a whole, there's a, there's a, there's a God sized hole in every one of our hearts. And the only thing that can live there and abide there and, and be in the will of God is God himself. He has to have his reserved place. Or he'll begin to cut away. And so he, 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 did, he, could have, he could have beat around the bush with Isaac. He could, have said, he could have gave Abraham a little bit of time to work it out. But God knows what's best for us even if we don't know ourselves. And so he said, look, I'm going to need you to kill Isaac. 
Um, you know, and the, the writer of, uh, of, of Genesis, he, he does a, us a favor and doesn't show us the grief and turmoil that Abraham had to go through on the night that he was trying to, trying to reckon how he was getting ready to kill the thing that had gripped his heart, the thing that had the special place in his heart that belonged to God. He had to make a choice because there were two rulers happening in his heart. There were two loves, and I'm talking about his son here. You may be very close with with your wife, you may be very close with your children, you may be very close with mom and dad, you may be very close with some special person in your life, but God's saying, I don't share seats with anybody. And so he took him up there and he said, I gotta, I've got to have commitment out of you. And it was when he raised the knife and God seen that, okay, I got my place back and Isaac's not going to live there. He said, no, you keep him. You can keep your son now. I just have to know that he's not in my place. And God is asking that this morning to each and every one of us. Is that how much cutting needs to be done? How much cutting out needs to be done until he has complete reign and complete honor and complete glory in our lives? Deuteronomy chapter number 30 verse number 6 says that the Lord will not only circumcise us in the natural, but he says he will circumcise us our hearts that he will give us a heart for him that he will cut upon our heart until our heart is pure before him I don't know about you but I want to be I want to have a heart that is open to God that will say God you 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 and you alone reign you and you alone get glory for whatever happens in this life here at this place called Gilgal moving on God will change your diet. Verse number verse number 11 says that beginning reading verse number 10 it says and the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the self same day. Verse number 12. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land neither had the children of Israel manna anymore but they did eat the fruit of the land of Canaan that year there's a powerful statement there the Bible says that at Gilgal the manna ceased for many of us that's a that's a trembling statement I remember when I when I was first uh, when these 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 scriptures were first brought to my attention, I read the manna ceased, and all of a sudden fear began to tremble inside of me because I read it at a time. Listen, this is going to be this is, this is a powerful testimony, but I read these words at a time when it, I read the manna ceased. It was at a time when we were very successful. In evangelism, and we had open doors all over the place, and God was providing a, a provision that was just—it was out of this world. I couldn't believe that God was doing the things that He was doing. And all of a sudden, I heard the manna ceased, and it was like fear began to grip my heart because God was speaking to me in that hour and saying, "The thing that has brought you provision all the way up into this point is getting ready to come to an abrupt halt." And I was scared, brother Dave. 
because everything had gone so good and God had provided for our ministry for so long. And I knew when he, when I read that the manna ceased, what God was saying to me in my spirit, that this provision that I made for you for this season is now coming to an end. You see, we got, I got so used to eating the manna that when the manna ceased, I got a fear gripped inside of me. I got so used to having the provision of God being brought forth in this certain kind of way that when he said that it was getting ready to stop, I got scared inside. I mean, I'm not just talking about a little scared. All of a sudden, I felt like my ministry was getting ready to fall apart. Did you notice I said my ministry? Because I, I, I was at a position where I thought about I was a little bit involved. I was trying to scoot God over anyway but he said I'm not going to give you any of the glory brother Paul I'm going to do this thing on my own but he said the manna is getting ready to cease in your life and for some people in this room today the manna has or is getting ready to cease the things that you used to do that used to bring about this I, I know if I do it this way then I get this reaction I know if I do my ministry like this then I get this reaction I know if I call them then I get to go um, share at their church or, or, or maybe it's not like that maybe you don't make calls but all of a sudden the phone calls that come to you may be going to stop. And maybe the people that come to you for ministry, they're going to stop. Maybe, and listen, I hate to say it like this, but maybe some of your jobs are going to dry up because God's saying, I'm going to stop. I'm going to cease the manna in your life because I got to show you that there's fruit of the land that's yours. If he takes your job, if he stops that job, you better believe he's got something better. But it's hard and it's scary. It's hard and it's scary. Brother Dave, when he said the man is getting ready to cease in your life, Paul, I was scared. I said, God, what are you doing? I, I, I'm an evangelist and you, you're opening doors and things are going really good. What do you mean the man is getting ready to cease? And all of a sudden the, the, the bookings just dropped like a, like a hammer. Nothing. Nothing. Why? It was because God was saying, I need you to stop Eat, feeding on this because I'm trying to take you to a new place. You're at this Gilgal and I need you to come back to Gilgal and reestablish and let me establish you and let you let you be staged and let me put fear in the heart of the enemy because I'm getting ready to send you in a new direction. Many of you in this place, the manna has already ceased in your life and you've been wondering why. Why? Why? Why, God? Why, why, aren't, why aren't I seeing the good things that I used to see. Why is my ministry not working the way it used to work? Because God is saying, I've got something better for you. I've got ministry that's better for you. You were not designed to be stuck where you were before, but I've got a greater hype for you along the way. I've got a higher ministry, a higher calling for you, and you can't get stuck eating the manna when I've got the fruit of the land that's yours to be had. And the last thing that God will do when he brings you to Gilgal is he will send word and or literally visit you at Gilgal. Gilgal is the place of visitation. The Bible says in chapter in verse number 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, still at Gilgal, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sworn drawn sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went up to him and said unto him art thou for us or for our adversaries and he said nay but as the captain of the Lord's of, of the host of the Lord I am am I now come 
And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standing is holy. And so Joshua did so. Gilgal is the place where you get in the presence of God, where God visits you. And it's the place where God will revisit you. I said it's a staging place. You've got to understand the Gilgal in your life. And you have to recognize in the spiritual world the Gilgal that you've come to. We as a church have to recognize that we're in a place called Gilgal. And we may have to circle back around to Gilgal again and again and again. Because it's the place of encounter. It's the place of visitation from God. It's the place where when things have gone great, you need to come back to and recenter and let God reestablish you and not let your flesh get in the way. It's the place when things have gone wrong that you come back and let God recenter you and reestablish you and rebuild you and restrengthen you and let you know that they that are for you far outnumber they that are against you and let him open your eyes up to the spiritual world around you uh, just as he did with Elisha's servant. He said open his eyes so that he could see that those that are for us far outnumber those that are against us Uh, it's the place where you encounter God every time we encounter God we're at a place of Gilgal in our life 